Welcome to the Molding Private Practice Show, where we help healthcare practitioners in private practice keep true to their purpose and build a life of mastery by providing the knowledge, skills, and tools to bring their dreams to life. In this episode, we speak to Ashley Jones, a pediatric occupational therapist based in Pretoria, South Africa, about her private practice and everything private practice management related. Ashley Jones, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, it's really nice to have you on board just to talk about private practice and being an OT and everything around that. Um, so by the way, when I was researching, you know, having you on the show, I searched for Ashley Jones and uh, there's like a famous actress with that same name. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. it took me <laughs> So I was like, Shaz, why did you, why did you, if I can invite Ashley Jones, I don't think that's kind of in this type of private practice route. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did find it eventually on LinkedIn. <laughs> but uh, thanks very much for being on the show. Thank oh, you. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so tell us, um, OTs are always interesting for me because, uh, and again, I have to be honest, uh, you know, before we started working with healthcare practitioners, I didn't really know what OTs did. And, but we've got lots of clients now that are OTs and, but for anyone that doesn't know what an OT does, uh, can you maybe, well, I should probably say occupational therapist. So again, we're talking lingo, you know, in the, <laughs> in the healthcare space, but what, what does an occupational therapist do? Um, so an occupational therapist, what our focus is, is we focus on function. So be it for children, be it for adults, you know, be it for our elderly, we want to see function, you know, and function ties into your occupations. And that's why we occupational therapists and our occupation is anything that you should be doing in your day. So it can be activities of daily living, which is your things like bathing, dressing, eating, can be instrumental activities of daily living, which is um, preparing food or doing washing or cleaning. And then we get our work, and our education and our play and all of that depending on on what phase of life we are and sometimes I actually did a a, a post on our um, therapy page on Facebook for Bright Eyes Therapy and we we I went about function and what are the occupations and what are sometimes the hurdles that we face in these occupations and sometimes you know if it's a client that's had a stroke they not, might not be able to bath themselves anymore and they almost need to relearn how to do it or to find ways to compensate. And so it's all about treating these hurdles that are affecting your occupation and what's important to you. You know, if you hate cooking and never want to cook again, we're not going to teach you how to cook. <laughs> you know, we're not going to do, our rehab's not going to focus on that. Um, but you are to just help that so you can be your best person you want to be. Okay. And tell me, did, so did you always want to be an occupational therapist? I mean, is that uh, how it... Um... I mean, did you know that calling from quite a young age or did it kind of evolve? So for me, it, it evolved um, I'm almost where the general public is at the moment and didn't really know what OT was. Even with having a, a brother that was in occupational therapy, I didn't really know what it was. Um, but I've always had a passion for children. So that's where mine stemmed from. And uh, I sat down and I thought, okay, what can I do with this? And my first view was good to go into psychology um, and specifically be a child psychologist. And then I seemed to stumble upon OT and just reading it and reading about the way OT does things and about how they look at things and 
and what you focus on, on a person's inherent drive, on their own motivation, on all of that, that was like, wow. And then I was sold and I went and studied OT. <laughs> um, <laughs> and amazing career to be in. Mm. So um, I remember this. Uh, so a client told me once, um, so she was going through the physio route. And um, so we just have to be careful when we're speaking to physios as well. You know, physios are cool as well. But she was going down the physio route. And, uh, you know, the, so at WITS, the, the two departments are right next to each other. And she was always like, you know, I wonder what this department does. But this is already like into her career, you know, and she was and she changed midstream. And she's like, no, no, I, I actually think I like to become an OT. And so she changed midway, which is actually quite interesting. Um, but yeah, and I, I think there's not as much awareness around what an OT does. Um, and it, again, I think maybe it's for all specialists. I mean, there's some there's some specialists that you obviously only come across their names when you when you're looking at you know for certain conditions. Like um, recently, uh, you know, we were researching um, what is this autoimmune diseases, and there's a there's a special specialist called rheumatologist. And I've never heard that term at all, you know, but when you start looking at it, then you're like, okay, but you know, even the name doesn't make any sense to autoimmune <laughs> disease, you know, it's like, uh, I would have never come across that until someone pointed that out. But uh, around the idea of OTs, I think there's definitely some awareness that can, that can definitely be, be done around that. But um, it's also interesting that you say, you know, you always worked, wanted to work with, with children. And I did come across that a few times, you know, lots of clients seem to say that. I'm actually quite envious of that uh, because, you know, you almost had this calling in a way you wanted to go and you just kind of, you know, found that part, which is, which is really cool, you know, to see. Um, but if we shift gears a bit, you know, you're not just an OT, um, but you're also an OT now in private practice, which is amazing. So congratulations on that. But um, has it been an easy road? Has it been like, you know, when you said you want to work with children, did you always know you wanted to go into private practice? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yes, I did. I did know I wanted to go into private practice and it, it almost strengthened throughout my studies and going and working with OTs, which made a, a phenomenal impact on um, my career and what I chosen. So I did always know I wanted to be an OT. I didn't think it would come as quickly as it did. So I thought I would be in the profession a good 10 years. And, you know, then uh, I changed over to running my own practice. Um, but the opportunity arose and I, I went with it. And I was like, I've got the space and, you know, let's go. Um, and it's been a it's been an interesting road. <laughs> um, very very rewarding. It's a very rewarding thing to have something that you can put your passion into, your full passion and your interests, and and you know, and just reach a wider a population. You know, through doing talks and webinars and all of that. So that's been a very exciting part for me. But it it does come with numerous challenges. You know, there's there's things that no one really tells you about that two months into the practice, you realize, oh, hang, I need to get this up to date or I need to comply with these regulations. Um, so it's a, it's a bumpy road, but uh, I definitely think it's it's worth it. <laughs> There's more ups <laughs> and downs. 
Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say it that way, that, you know, you knew you wanted to own your own business. And when the opportunity came, you jumped at it. Because I think so many people have the potential to go into private business or private enterprise and wind up almost second-guessing themselves. Now, what they can take away from you is take the leap. Yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, there's going to be stuff that you're going to have to learn along the way. But taking that leap is definitely far more rewarding at the end of the day. So when you say there were some ups and downs along the way, could you give us a little bit of an indication as to what some of those hurdles might have been going from working for someone to working for yourself? Yeah, so um, I think a lot has to do with the, the more management part. You know, being an OT, giving therapy almost comes naturally, you know, and you love it and but then to actually sit down and think, okay, where do I want to go to? You know, do I want to run a multidisciplinary practice and have a speech working alongside me? Do I just want to be on, be my own person and work on my own? And I think that I, I had a, a straight like path that I'd set out for myself, but that was one of the most difficult is to adapt that. And for me, I mean, I play with children for a living you know like it's a very fun job but to sit down and try and do taxes is, is really not my um, strong suit and so a lot of that um, was was quite difficult for me and luckily I signed up um, with your billing company from the start so that almost took a load off me from word get-go but there's all the, the you know, um, like I say, tax and financial planning and all of that that you sometimes let slip by the way. So. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting you say that, and, and that kind of is the story of most of, of our clients, actually, uh, because, you know, the therapy part you got, and you, you know, I, I want to dial that back a bit as well. You know, the one thing I do like about healthcare practitioners is no one starts immediately and says, I want to go into private practice. You're almost always, I mean, I've always heard this being said where you say, I want to get the experience first, and I want to see what I want to, you know, if I can actually do this and then go into to private practice, which I find quite refreshing, you know, and it's almost like you're building up the skills. So, you know, I would say anyone that that's working with someone in private practice, because they've done that, there's almost, you know, the expertise is a little bit more higher than someone, you know, that's just working in a hospital. And it might be, you know, just the way I'm looking at it, but, you know, we've dealt with many uh, professionals or practitioners in private practice and that seems to be the case with most practitioners that's what they say so which I really like um, and then when you say the things you know about the management and the billing stuff yeah that's that's difficult I mean even for a business owner it's difficult you know for someone that wants to be in business and I find you know with practitioners it is it is almost like going completely the opposite direction you know, us as a, as a team and as a company, you know, in the last year, we've had to make some choices in terms of, uh, you know, what are the types of clients we want to work with? What are the types of things we want to do? And that was difficult in its own right. And I think, you know, with, with you being in private practice, you know, choosing to say, 
actually, I need to do this. How would I do that? It must be quite, quite difficult. Um, we did come across a client recently where she was actually, I think she was on the show last week, but she said, you know, she needed a mentor. Um, and because she had a mentor, you know, she, the person could show her the ropes and it was like invaluable for her. Did you find something similar as well? So, yes, yeah, definitely um, at the practice I worked at before I opened my own practice, I was really, they involved me in things such as billing, you know, and all the medical aid codes and everything. So already then I, I had that skill passed on and, you know, it all depends on who you're working for. But the lady I worked for has still, she's still to this day an amazing mentor, be it for a case that you're unsure of or the more management side. And she said to me when I um, told her I'm going into my own practice, she said to me, she sat on with me and she said, just make sure you have this and this and this and this and this in place, which was amazing, you know, and to think, I often look back and think, I mean, how much, how difficult would this road have been being in your own practice? If it wasn't for who that sat on, I would have had to have figured that all out by myself and, you know, probably sometimes not in a good way, you know, if a parent crashes into your gate and you don't have the right insurances, you know, you're going to learn a, a very difficult lesson. So it definitely is very important to have a mentor. And, um, you know, and if you've worked under them, even better, because you know them and, and they know you and they know where your personality lies and what you might neglect as well. Mm, that's, uh, I'm glad that you collaborated that story because for me, that makes sense. And and again, coming from a business point of view, I promise you it's, it's difficult to find people like that. And, you know, the fact that, you know, as a healthcare practitioner, you can find that uh, is actually amazing because, you know, it's a, it definitely gives you an advantage around this stuff. But again, looking at it and, you know, if there was an OT, um, actually, that was starting off now and um, she's listening to this and she says, you know, at some point I do want to go into private practice. Would there be anything that you would give them as a recommendation? Um in terms of what would they look out for in terms of um, the considerations around why they would want to go into private practice? Yeah, so definitely I think I think the most important thing that I'd say to someone is, you know, where's your passion lying? And private practice is, is so diverse. You know, you can see more physical clients and especially with occupational therapy, there's so many routes you can go. And I think the first one is to, to find that passion of yours. What is a passion? Do you love working with older children or younger children or adults or mental health or where is that lying and to, to go from there? Um, because, you know, yes, the business side is hard, but you can get it right. And there's, there is resources out there. But to follow that passion and to slowly start saying, what is your expectations? Do you, are you aiming to work in a school or do you want to see the parents, say from my side being a, a pediatric OT? Um, and then to take it from there and slowly, it's almost that like eating an elephant one bite at a time, you know, and as you've got that in place to then take the next step further and be like, all right, cool. Okay. What therapy styles are you going to offer? Do you like sensory integration? Do you like the art floor time? Do you, where, where's your preference lying? And that is to me, what I believe, what grows your business is your passion, you know, and yes, there, there is hurdles in the, in our, in our um, journey there but as long as you have that passion and can follow I think it's the most important to do that 
But research is really a very important thing as well. I mean, you need to have a look at where other OT practices are. Are you going to work at home? Do you want, you know, the tax benefits from that? Or do you want to work from a school? Or where where's the closest practice to you? You can't open up another practice three houses down and think you're going to have a, a constant flow of clients because it may not work that way. Um, so, but I think the, the further you dive in, but I think the first thing is just to take the first step, you know, and as you start going through that and you get your expectations in a row, you can cover the more, you know, abstract things that we necessarily don't think about things like your taxes and your insurance, which is very important and probably should be first. <laughs> um, but for isn't always um but yeah okay i'm I'm glad you said that because um um it's also another of our business um rules is uh, you know you don't really want to go it's like trying to dig water in the desert you know and and what you're saying is um you know what what i really appreciate about um especially the allied practitioners you seem to work in a team setting so you know if you don't have this cross referral or cross yeah cross references uh, you know, it's going to be very difficult to build up a practice. Uh, but if you do have that and you've, you know, you've, you've got some of those relationships in place, then I think it definitely helps. And, um, you know, in our practice management course, we actually reference, like sometimes being in a center automatically gives you that. And, and that's why, I mean, I think practitioners that are in hospitals, you know, when I go through the list and I see, you know, there's like 10 clinical psychologists, you know, at Morningside Medi Clinic. I'm, I'm just using that as an example, but um, but they all seem to be busy and they, you know, it's because of that influx of people and cross-reference, you know, referrals and stuff like that. So, so if, as you said, you know, if you're starting at home, you know, where would you get your referrals from? Because people are not just going to pitch up at home. Uh, you know, in that case, you have to work a lot more harder around your marketing um in terms of being able to drive that and then also you know because you you're not just going to be seeing the patient like you know from a single point of view it has to be a holistic so who would you then refer out to and i think those are all of the considerations around that i would think uh, which you kind of covered on is there anything from a practice management that really surprised you? Like, um, you know, you didn't quite expect that. And, and it could be the tax part. You know, you mentioned tax like a few times. It's not our favorite topic uh, because <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it always is. It's always been, when I mean, it's around tax time, it's it's the most, uh, you know, people are just, yeah, it's not, not, not a good topic. Um, there's very few people that enjoy that. Yeah, so look, I, I think so far my journey with the practice management side has been what I haven't had very, um, so you know, your, your bookings, that plays a big role because if you're in therapy all day, you know, I see children from seven in the morning to five in the evening, sometimes now six o'clock, you know, how do people book for therapy? They're going to phone you and, and what is happening. And, you know, that's a big a consideration and to, to have things in place, you know, for that. And that was a big one um, that I came to learn quite quickly and is also to have that relationship with the parents from the start. You know, they see your name from a Google search or from a friend or whatever and to take that step and to phone you is actually a big thing. So you need to meet them there and you need to 
to tell them what you do and help, you know, and if it's, say, in my case, I don't see teenage children. So then to be like, you know what, this, I understand this, this is your best place to go and this is, you know, who you should see someone with that interest. So for me, the bookings has been a, a constant for me and they don't, you know, I work from home. So for me, it's not, you know, the receptionist that is taking your bookings and it's, it's you doing it and you establishing those relationships. Mm. Um, so that's been a big one. And I think all around the financial things are the, the most difficult, but mm. yeah, you do learn as you go and, you know, to have a support network around you with people that specialize in it is very important, you know? And I mean, I did the, the practice um, management, you know, to help start my own practice. I did that just before I went into practice and like in my head, so I've still got my little bookie where I wrote down the notes <laughs> mm -hmm. on, and I go back there and I'm like, oh, have I crossed all those things out? You know, have I met all those expectations? And But it's a constant thing. You need to, to just keep up to date. Mm. Um, she has anything on your side. And I'm just going to kick, uh, kick off with the next question, which was, um, so Working from home, has that been uh, what you expected? And is that um, something that you would recommend to someone as opposed to working at a center? I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, with my wife, we tried both approaches. And to be honest, now she's, you know, she's at, uh, you know, we've got offices and, you know, she's, she's kind of, I think her center is there. But it was, um, it was a bit of a challenge initially working from home, purely from that perspective, you know, especially with new clients. I suppose it would be different with you, you know, because it's more pediatric work. So the parents are coming through. But, you know, especially if you're dealing with adults, you're not really, you know, well, we live in South Africa. So, you know, security is an issue and stuff like that. So it's it's more of a, of a challenge. Do you have any insights around that in terms of, of uh, someone that's considering starting up uh, at home? Yeah, so look, um, working from home has worked very well for me. One of the things I decided on from the start was my IT practice is that I want lots of space. I need lots of space, um, and that that's what made it post center. You might not get that experience. You know, I want to base my practice all. You know, this this whole holistic view and um, you know, a lot of space. But with that, like you said, a, a digital environment. You know, if you're going to someone's home and you know, it doesn't always give the best image there. So you have to stay very up to date if you work from home with those type of things. And it's sometimes things you don't think about if you have a friend visiting, you know, like <laughs> you know what you do with that. Um, so I think luckily for, for your pediatric clients, it, it is a um, better thing. But I, I do feel that a center also has a very good approach and you, you can knock on other people's doors a lot quicker. Um, and one thing I've battled with from working from home is that it was quite a, a lonely experience, you know, coming from a practice where there was another two OTs, 
um, to sadly being all on your own and no one, you know, is there to quickly, oh, you know, what about this? What should I do? That is difficult. And and that's something that I'm not moving to is actually to to turn uh, the house that I'm working from into a multidisciplinary area. Um, that will take a while. <laughs> um, but you do, it's a, I think for a startup, it's actually more beneficial to be with a group of people Um if, it, if that's your personality, you know, if that's what you want. So, Ashley, I, I like what you said earlier about the making bookings, especially if you're working on your own. You know, you need to be able to take those phone calls or if you're unable to take those phone calls, you need to be able to have the time to get back to people because it is all about building those relationships. So, you know, starting out, especially on your own, is a little bit difficult. Would having an assistant actually make some of that a little bit easier for you? Or do you find that it's a lot easier to just schedule certain times of the day to do things like admin, phone back clients and so that kind of stuff? I personally feel that an assistant would be an easier um, and a, a better would be to benefit me as a person, you know, that so I can spend most of my time doing what I love, you know, and, and that's seeing the kiddies, you know, and treating them. Um, unfortunately, I think often when you start private practice, it's not always in your, you know, financial ability to have that. But I think it is a very beneficial thing to look into and to get that going right from the start so that you don't let one client slip through the cracks and never get back to them because, I wouldn't like to phone a doctor and they, because I'm sick and they never get back to me, you know? So, and it's the same with an occupational therapist. So it definitely would be an, an asset to any practice to have an assistant that can, you know, and sometimes take all the things that you aren't your strong points, you know, be it then if it's debt collection or anything like that, that an assistant can take on all of that as well. I'm so so glad she has asked that question because uh, I think it goes with what you were saying earlier. It's almost like having that plan and almost knowing that you know you need to get that at some point. But but as you said, I mean it's not it's not cheap just hiring an assistant and uh, and also you know what would the assistant do for eight hours a day? I think that's the other thing is you know you have to keep them busy because if you have clients on the hour or on the half hour, you know the rest of the time you know is she going to be that busy or is he going to be that busy? Um, but if you look at all of the successful CEOs, all of the successful businesses, you know, there's no one that doesn't have an assistant. And, I, and, I, and I'm putting all of the healthcare practitioners in private practice in the same category is that, you know, you do what you do best and you get someone else to manage the, the admin and the business side of your, of your business or your private practice. And, and that seems to be the trend. So I think, you know, as soon as you can get that assistance, I think it actually makes you a much more stronger practice as well. Um, that seems to be our experience, you know, with um, with other clients as well. So that's kind of it. Um, is there anything that we missed before we close this up? I mean, I know we, you know, we're going on about the time that we said we're going to stop. So is there anything that you would say over and above or something that we missed around private practice or being an OT? And then uh, we can ask Shaz for her closing thoughts. No, look, uh, I don't have anything else. I just do think, you know, if, if there's anyone listening that thinks, you know, is this the right route for me, 
is to really do your research and, and follow that passion of yours. And, you know, you can move mountains in your own practice, but you can also move mountains working for someone else. If it's your drive to do it, go for it and, yeah, flourish from there. I think that's the most phenomenal thing that we've, that you could say there is that at the end of the day, it is about following your passion and your strengths. And if, you know, somebody is thinking about becoming an occupational therapist because they are passionate about being an OT, you know, the next step there is, as you say, to then figure out where that passion is. Are you more passionate about working in a center and moving mountains and doing the best that you can do there? Or is there that drive to have something of your own? And until you can set, figure that out, kind of stay where you are. Once you've got that roadmap almost along to where you want to go, then you can start making that shift over because I think a lot of practitioners or a lot of people tend to forget that the moment you move into private practice, not only are you a practitioner, you're also a business owner. So it's two very separate hats and you need to be able to be prepared to wear both hats. So and as you grow, yes, definitely look at things like an assistant because in our experience, once the admin concerns are kind of no longer the therapists, you know, in the therapist's way, their practices do tend to grow and flourish because doing what you do best, which, as you say, is playing with the kiddies and helping them and somebody else is doing the other stuff that tends to just suck some of that energy out of you. So. I would say find, figure out where your passion is, figure out the path that you want to go on. And then once you've got that mapped out, kind of it's a journey to run a practice. It's not a sprint. <laughs> That's nicely said, Chess. Um, yeah, thanks, Ashley, for, for allowing us to, to spend some of your time and talking about private practice and being an OT. We really appreciate it. On our side, we wish you... You know that that you get the practice that you really want, and you know you spoke about some expansion plans, and yeah, we'll we'll keep posted and see how that goes. But um, I think having a multidisciplinary center would be amazing. I think that's a dream of most you know practitioners. So that's that's a really cool goal. <laughs> thanks so much, and thanks for inviting me to be part of it. I really, it's it's been a fun experience for me to just chat that little bit further and help anyone wherever they are as well thanks very much ashley and hopefully we can chat again soon on how your practice is developing definitely yeah i'm looking forward to use more services <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you very much um yeah and we'll speak to you soon all right thanks so much Hey everyone, thanks for listening. As always, stay tuned and we'll speak to you in the next episode.